This is the Elevate Church Podcast. For a list of messages and for all updates about events and more information, check out our Instagram, Facebook, or visit elevate.city. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. Starting a new series today called Grateful. I'm excited about this series. Uh, today we're going to talk about the story of Joseph. Uh, next week we're going to talk about Paul and Silas. Week three we're going to talk about Jesus. And then week four we're going to come back to Joseph and we're going to learn some great things. Okay, So let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We invite you in to lead and guide and direct our heart and the impressions in our thoughts and our heart today. Uh, Holy Spirit, lead this. Speak through me today in Jesus' name. Amen. First uh, Thessalonians. Chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. We're going to kind of make this the staple of our series. We're going to kind of feast from this verse. Verse 16 says, always be joyful. Verse 17, never stop praying. Verse 18, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Responding in life. Always being joyful. Never stop praying. Thankful in all circumstances. You know when I'm not joyful is the end of the day, okay? And if you have children or ever had children, you completely understand me because at the end of the day, you are exhausted, you are tired, you are worn out. The last thing you want to do is answer questions, and the last thing you want to do is put children to bed. Can I get an amen from anybody, okay? Oh, I thought I'd get a way better amen than that. Thank you, Simon. I know, I know the struggle's real, okay? It, it is. You get to bedtime, you know, and, and kids are fighting you to stay up. They want a thousand drinks, you know what I mean? They want something to eat, you know what I mean? I mean, it's just, it's just a terrible time of the day. And it's usually about that time of the day that I lose my patience. It's usually about that time of the day that I'm just like, oh, God, thank you, Jesus, for my children, you know what I mean? And I'm just like, oh. Or how about this? I, like, Luke, the four-year-old, okay, giving him a bath is like giving a cat a bath, okay? I mean, right now, you know, he like sticks his like legs, you know, out at the wall. He's like pushing. You can pour water. It's water, okay? I mean, you pour water on him. He just screams. He just screams at you, and he goes, I don't like water. And we're like, it's water, son. It's not harming you, you know? And there's these times in life that we're not joyful. But the word says, be thankful in all circumstances. Be thankful when the car breaks down. (laughs) Be thankful when your loan doesn't get approved on the house that you were supposed to move into two weeks ago, you know? Be thankful when somebody false accuses you. Be thankful. When you get a report about a sickness, be thankful about when you're helping and elevate kids and a kid pukes on you and you're like, oh, Jesus, thank you that I get to serve at Elevate Church. It is awesome today to be here, you know? And this is kind of the story of Joseph. Genesis chapter 37 through 45, God gives us this like really in-depth picture and dedicates a lot of chapters to this guy named Joseph which is really interesting because like 
there's only so many books of the Bible, and there's only so much room. And God only gave us so much, you know, of each story, but God chose to give us a lot about Joseph and give us in-depth picture of him. So we're going to look at him today, okay? Now, we can't read the whole thing. If you've never read the book of, you know, Genesis, look at it, read the story. We're going to kind of go through it as best we can today. Chapter 37, Joseph, he's the youngest of 10 brothers, okay? I have uh, three brothers, and growing up with brothers is crazy town, you know? I mean, it's just, it's just wild. There's lots of, you know, there's lots of fighting. I remember one time... Uh, my brother uh, wore one of my shirts uh, to school. I got home early from school and watched him walk up the driveway. And with my slingshot, I shot rocks at him, you know, as, as he was coming up the driveway, okay? Growing up with brothers, it's just, it's just different. And so Joseph is the youngest, and his father chooses to give him this beautiful coat. It's called the coat of many colors. And this coat in that day and time would have represented two things. Number one, that Joseph was going to be exempt from manual labor, meaning that all of his other brothers are going to have to work hard, but Joseph is the chosen one, and he's not going to have to. And the other thing it meant is that Joseph was going to get the largest share of the inheritance from his father. So you can imagine older brothers are not too excited about Joseph and Joseph's life and Joseph's coat and where Joseph is headed. And then Joseph has two dreams that God gives him. Genesis chapter 37, verse 5, it says, One night Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him even more. Verse 6, listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field, tiny up bundles of grain, and suddenly my bundle stood up, and your bundles gathered around and bowed low before mine. Now, if I'm the little brother, I don't know if I'm sharing this story. You know what I mean? And he's telling his brothers, this. verse 8, his brothers were responding, so you think that you're going to be king, do you? Do you actually think that you're going to reign over us? And they hated him even more because of his dreams that he had. So his brothers decide, you know what, we're done with this fool. We're going to kill them, okay? Have you ever thought about that? Like one of your siblings, like, yeah, we're going to kill him. You know, we're going to kill her. This is done. We're, we're done with these people, you know? I'll be honest. I had a few thoughts like that growing up, you know, especially with my, especially with my brother Herb. He just, like, yeah, Herb, okay? Herb, okay? All right, let me give you a picture of Herb, okay? Herb has, like, long hair. If you go into Herb's dungeon, which it is a dungeon, his room, you will find, like, medieval swords and, like, Legos and, like, you know, like, you know, like, guys, like, like lightsabers and stuff. And Herb would come into our room. Okay, I'm going to, uh, Jess would hate me if I told this story. Thank God she's not here. So... <laughs> He would come in my room at night in the pitch dark and somehow sneak in, and he would turn the light off, and he would be mooning us. He'd be like, Mr. Butt-Butt's here, and I'd be like, oh, Herb, Herb. That's why I shot him in the butt with a BB gun one time. It's still in there, I promise you, okay? <laughs> Crazy. So they're going to kill him. But instead, they go, you know what? Instead of killing him, why don't we sell him? And so they decide we're going to sell him into slavery. And now you got to understand this. In that day and time and culture, when you got sold into slavery, that meant this, that you are now forever going to be a slave. You will never know what it's like to be with your family again. You will never know what it's like to be a son any longer. 
You will be a slave. Your family will be slaves. Your children will be slaves. Their children will be slaves. And so Joseph gets sold into slavery. In Genesis chapter 39, verse 1, it says this, Joseph was taken to Egypt by Ishmael traders, and he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served, as he served in the house of the Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed and realized that the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of an entire household and everything he owned. So very quickly, his brothers decide we're going to kill him. They decide we're going to sell him. He gets sold into slavery. He gets taken to Egypt. Potiphar buys him, the Lord is with him, God blesses him, and God, you know, is raising him up in Potiphar's house. But there's still some things we need to see and we need to understand about what's going on in this story right here. Number one is this, he's still a slave, okay? Nothing's really changed. Even though he's working for Potiphar, even though God is with him, he's still a slave. He's still no longer a son. He still no longer has brothers. He still no longer has family. He is alone. He has been betrayed still. But he's working hard for somebody else and honoring God in the midst of it. Oh, man. He is honoring his master as a slave for not his sake, but the Lord's sake. Trust me, the Lord's favor would not have been upon him unless he chose to honor him, even in a state where he's alone, and he has been betrayed, and he has been sold. A couple other things we need to understand. He's choosing to give the Lord his best in a land where the Lord does not exist. Okay, this is not a godly land. Okay? It's not like there was the Bible verse of the day in Egypt. You know what I mean? They weren't posting the verse of the day. There was no inspirational quotes on Instagram or Facebook for him at that day and time. There was no pastor encouraging him and loving on him. There was no worship service. There was no believers. There was no church. There was no dinner parties. There was nobody praying over him. His dad thought he was dead, and yet, in this situation and in this time, he still does what? He chooses to be joyful. Remember the verse that said this, always be joyful. Joseph's life is showing us how we find joy in really tough circumstances. He's saying, listen, my joy does not come because my father gave me a coat. My joy does not come because of the house that I live in. My joy does not come for who I am with or who I'm surrounded with. My joy comes from the Lord and the Lord alone. And in this time and in this season, I can still choose to walk in honor because the Lord is with me. The Lord has my back. And he's got me. Chapter 39, verse 6, says this. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibilities of everything in his house. For a slave, it's a pretty big deal. 
It's pretty awesome. And with Joseph there, he didn't worry about anything except what kind of food he would eat. Can I get an amen from anybody? You're like, that's, that isn't that. I claim that for my life in Jesus' name. Some people serving me. Verse 8, but uh, wait, wait, sorry. Verse 7. No, verse 6, though. Sorry. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a single thing except for what to eat. It says this, Joseph was very handsome and well-built young, like a young man. Verse 7, Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come, sleep with me, she demanded. Verse 8, but Joseph refused. But she keeps on demanding. Verse 10, she keeps on pursuing Joseph day after day, but he refuses to sleep with her. And he keeps her out of her way as much as possible. Verse 11, one day, however, when no one else was around, and when no one else was around, he went to do his work. Verse 12, she came and grabbed him by the cloak and demanded, come on, sleep with me. And Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hands and he ran from the house. Okay, again, let's kind of jump into this text and, and let's learn some stuff, okay? Number one is this, Joseph chose to have character and integrity in this moment, okay? And the reality is this, that there are times in our life that God will, I believe, allow us to have a moment where he's going to go, I want to see what comes out of you at this moment. I want to see if character comes out of this moment. I want to see if integrity comes out of this moment. I want to see if you are going to run to sin or are you going to run away from sin? I want to see if you're going to run to sin because you're tired and you're worn out. And because you're tired and you're worn out, you're just going to justify your sin at this moment and just run to it. Or I'm going to run away from it and choose to be a man of integrity or a man of character or a woman of integrity or a woman of character. Amen? Okay. The other thing we see is this. He chooses to flee sexual immorality. This is huge. You know, the, the New Testament has a lot to say about sexual immorality. And we live in a sexually charged world and time and culture right now. And I think the world has always had this kind of temperature, but the temperature of the world right now is really sexually charged. And, and we see that he makes a bold choice to flee this, to run from it to abstain from it, to have nothing to do with it. You know, um, oh gosh, somebody asked me um, a couple of weeks ago, somebody said, hey, do you watch Game of Thrones? And I said, no, I heard there's a bunch of nudity in it. And they're like, oh, I know, but it's a really great show. I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of nudity in it. I'm pretty sure that like, that's not God's best for my life. I'm pretty sure that I struggled with pornography back when I was young, and I had to have the grace of God set me free from it. And I'm pretty sure I don't want to open up that door again, and I'm pretty confident God doesn't want me to compare uh, my wife with that woman on the screen. Can I get an amen from anybody? He chose to flee sexual immorality. He chose to honor God by honoring his Egyptian master. You ever had a boss you didn't like? 
You ever work for somebody, you're like, man, God, can I please work for literally anybody else on the planet, you know? You know? He, and you know what I love about this, this, whole, this whole scenario is that this is a moment that Joseph could have said, you know what? This, Potiphar's wife is my reward. Potiphar's my reward. His wife is my reward for all the troubles I've gone through. See, this is, this is the temperature of culture that we live in right now, that we get tired, we get worn out, we have some troubles, we have some bad days, and then the enemy comes, and he, and he brings an opportunity to us. And, and I'll never forget this. When I was really, really young, um, my pastor growing up, Pastor Marvin, what a, what a, he looked like Billy Graham. He had white hair, and he just smelled amazing all the time. I, I just loved him. And, and I remember one day he looked at me, Jeff, and I don't know why he said this to me, but he was 100% right. He said, he said, the enemy will serve up sin to you on a silver platter in the right moment. Just in the right moment. And this could have been a moment that Joseph could have said, yeah, I've had a lot of troubles. I've had a lot of bad days. I've had a lot of things happen to me that shouldn't have happened to me. I should have never been sold. I should have never been betrayed. I've, I've lost my family. I've lost my inheritance. I've lost everything that I have. And here's my opportunity, and I'm going to take my opportunity. And Again, he chooses to be a man of integrity and character. Genesis chapter 39, verse 19. So he denies her, and then she, you know, she goes, she's scorned. She's upset, you know. She goes to her husband. Joseph tried to take advantage of me, and here's his cloak. And, you know, he, Joseph's running around buck naked, you know what I mean? He's running out of the place buck naked. People are like, what in the world is going on? You know what I mean? Verse 19. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. Verse 20. Gosh, isn't that so good? You're going to be falsely accused in life. Just be ready. Just be ready. You're, you're going to do the right thing sometimes. And the enemy is going to hate that you did the right thing. And he's going to falsely accuse you sometimes. Verse 20. So he took Joseph and he threw him in prison. Verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph in prison. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read this story and I go, okay, he just got thrown into prison. And now the word says that the Lord was with him and he was with him in prison. I don't know about you, but there's a part of me that's like, Lord, I don't want anything to do with that, okay? If, if that's how you work and that's how you deal with stuff, like, please don't deal with me, okay? Please don't do whatever you want to do. Like, if that means the Lord is with me that I got to go to prison, eh, I don't know about that, okay? Because you got to understand something about this prison, okay? These prisons are not like American prisons. These prisons are dungeons. They are cold. They are wet, most people say, you know, you can even go, you know, to Jerusalem, you can go to the Middle East, and you can find some of these old prisons. They're no more than typically about four feet high, okay? So that means that you're living on your knees, you're crawling around most of the time. It's dark, it's nasty, there's no light, and, and they only feed you enough to just stay alive. You know, you might get a little bit of water, you might get a little bit of bread each day. They're just barely 
keeping you alive in these kind of prisons. And, the, and it says that the Lord was with him. Now, I don't know about you, but I would have been like, hey, God, did you forget about the dreams you gave me? Hey, God, did you forget about what you spoke over me? Hey, God, did you forget about what you're going to do with my life? Did you forget about my coat? Did you forget about my family? Did you forget about me? God, you have forsaken me. Anybody felt like that before? You're like, God, where are you? Let me show you a picture, okay? Put the first picture up, okay? Yes, okay. This was the first graphic that I ever made for Elevate Church. We made our logo, and I, I saw this picture, beautiful picture of Cincinnati. The sun was coming up, and I kind of played with the color, and, and I put our logo on it. And I remember thinking, like, man, I am so excited to start this church. Man, I'm so excited about everything God's been speaking to me. Every year we did prayer and fasting, and God would speak to me during prayer and fasting about what we were going to do in Cincinnati and the things that we were going to do in this area and the future that he had for us. And I remember, like, putting that logo just over Cincinnati because I was thinking, you know what? We're going to take over Cincinnati, and we're going to do great things for God, and it's going to be amazing, okay? You know what I'm talking about? You ever had that moment with the Lord where the Lord gives you a vision, he gives you a plan, he speaks to you about your family, he speaks to you about your future, and you are pumped. And then all of a sudden, show the next picture, okay? That's my reality, okay? Now, for some of you that haven't been around, this is what me and Jess and Matt and Levi did for 18 months, first 18 months. That is tables, and those are chairs. And we refinished furniture to live off of. We didn't have any salaries. We didn't have any income. The church was very small. We, I mean, very, very small. I remember last week, somebody told me there was like 36 people in the lobby last Sunday. And I was like, that's awesome. Cause there used to be like 36 people in service. You know what I mean? And now there's like 36 people in the lobby. And for 18 months, we were doing tables and this was my reality. Okay, I don't know if you've ever painted one chair in your life. Just go buy one chair and paint it with two coats, okay? And tell me how much fun that was, okay? All right? Tell me how much time it took. I don't know if you've ever stripped a table or sanded a table or stained a table or put a clear coat on a table or painted the bottom of a table and then sanded the table to make it look aged, you know, to make it look like Chip and JoJo, you know what I mean? And then we got to go back over and we got to spray the table. I don't know if you've ever been to showing fabrics before and you're buying fabric for chairs that we're going to have to redo before, you know what I mean? And all of a sudden, I'm in my garage, and I'm like, God, this is not what you spoke to me. This is not the dream you gave me. This is not your plan. God, what is happening right now? And i got to imagine that Joseph had some kind of these feelings. He's in prison. I, I, I just can't even fathom this. God gives him these amazing dreams, puts this plan in his heart, and all of a sudden he gets thrown into a pit. And then from the pit he gets sold into slavery. And then he gets to work for the Egyptian master, and he's doing well, but then he gets falsely accused. And then all of a sudden he's thrown into prison? And the reality is this. We all have stories like this. Every single one of us. We have moments that we're like, God, 
my reality isn't matching up with what I thought you wanted to do in my life. What is going on, God? What, what, is, what is happening here? Genesis chapter 40, verse 5. It says this, Well, in prison, Pharaoh's cupbearer uh, cup and baker each had a dream one night. Uh, each, sorry, I'm so sorry. Cupbearer and baker had a dream one night. Each one of them had, didn't know the meaning. Verse 6 says this, when Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed both of them looked upset. Verse 7, why do you look worried today, he asked. Verse 8, and they replied, we both had dreams last night, but cannot tell you what they mean. And then Joseph says this, interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. Go ahead and tell me your dream. Now, Joseph's in prison. There's a part of me that I'm like, like, Seriously? If somebody had a dream that God gave them in prison while I was in prison, I might have been like, yo, um, let me tell you about a dream that I had, okay? <laughs> let, let me tell you about these dreams that I Let me tell you about me telling my brothers about these dreams. Let me tell you a little story about what happened to me when I had a dream. I would have been like, you better never have another dream in your life, okay? You better rebuke these dreams. You better ask God to take these dreams away. Like, dreams are not from God. Like, I would have been like, no, this is, this is no joke, right? Huh. But you know what he does? He goes, tell me your dream. Tell me your dream. Again, he chooses to honor God in misery, in hardship. I'm sure he's cold and he's tired, not eating much. And he goes, no, I'm still going to honor the Lord. I'm still going to put him first. I'm still going to honor him. And, and I'm going to tell you also he said, he made a choice, said, I'm going to let you know the goodness of God. In a moment that he was experiencing none of the goodness of God. See, that's the test. When you can go, no, God is good, even when you go, everything around me tells me that he's not. When everything is screaming at me, no, God isn't good. God has forgotten about me. God has forsaken me. God has left me. You still go, no, 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 no. No, these are circumstances. This is not God. This is not his nature. This is not his character. I know who he is. He's got my back. He will never forsake me. He will never fail me. God has been good to me. God has always taken well care of me, and I know that God's got my back, and we're going to get to the other side. This is what Joseph does. And it's, it's just, it's just mind-blowing to me. Verse 23, it says this, that Pharaoh's chief Cupbearer, however, forgot about Joseph, never giving him another thought. So, so he actually gets out of prison, forgets all about Joseph, leaves Joseph in prison. The Bible goes on in uh, chapter 41. Uh, it says that he is left there for two more years. Two more years. Joseph is just, he's forgotten about. They just, they, they forget it. They, they just forget about him. Okay? And what happens is this, is that Pharaoh, now he has a dream. And he has a dream about seven fat cows and seven skinny cows. 
okay? And he pulls all of his soothsayers and senseis and all these people together, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I thought you'd like that. <laughs> he pulls them all together and he goes, he goes, somebody tell me something about this dream. Tell me what's going to happen. And nobody can tell them anything. Nobody can give them any wisdom. Nobody can give them any advice. And all of a sudden, somebody goes, hey, I was in prison. And I know, I know somebody that knows about dreams. There's this guy named Joseph. Go get Joseph. And so they call Joseph, and they pull Joseph out of prison, and Joseph comes out, and he starts talking about, hey, there's going to be seven years of blessing, and then there's going to be seven years of famine, and we need to get ready and prepared during the seven years of blessing so that we're ready for the seven years of famine. And it goes on in verse uh, 37, chapter 41, Joseph's suggestions were received by Pharaoh and all of his officers. So Pharaoh asked, can anyone find anyone man like this? Obviously filled with the Spirit of God. How is Joseph filled with the Spirit of God when he's in a land that had no Spirit of God, when he's been in prison, when he's been forgotten, yet Joseph still has the Spirit of God live and well and breathing inside of him. Can I get an amen from anybody? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of these dreams so clearly to you, no one else is intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court. You will, you, you will be in charge of my court, and all the people will take orders from you, and only I will sit on the throne and have rank over you. Verse 41, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. He went from the pit to the palace. All of a sudden, those dreams that he had once ago, 12 years ago, starting to come to pass. And here's the best part. This is, this is the best part of the whole story. Worship team, you guys can come on up. Genesis chapter 45, verse 1, it says, Joseph is now standing in front of his brothers because of the famine. Okay? So they have seven years of blessing. Okay? And the blessing's going on, and it's amazing. They have seven years of blessing. And Joseph, he, he does well. He stores. He gets, he gets the place ready, okay? And then what happens? Two years of famine hit, okay? And people from all over the region are coming to Egypt because they heard what Joseph has done. Joseph has prepared. Joseph was wise. Joseph was smart. He's prepared Egypt. And so everyone is coming to Egypt. And all of a sudden, his brothers that sold him, his brothers who wanted to kill him, they're now standing before him, okay? They're asking, you know what? We want some food. We're starving. We need something. Verse 45 says this, Joseph couldn't stand it no longer. There were many people in the room, and he said to all of them, out, all of you. Verse 2, then he broke down and wept. He wept so loudly, the Egyptians could hear him. And word of it quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace. Verse 3 says this. He says, I'm Joseph. I'm your brother. Okay? I'm the one that you sold into slavery. Now, I got to imagine that his brothers, has your stomach ever just dropped before? And you're like, oh, my gosh. You're like, oh my gosh. 
what is about to happen. They, they, his brothers have got to be thinking, this dude is going to kill us. You want to know one of the most wicked things the enemy works in is bitterness. bitterness. It is straight from hell. And the enemy loves to do this. He loves to get you offended. And then once you get offended, you get bitter and you dwell on it and you dwell on it and you dwell on it. And hate starts to fill your heart. And you know where hate comes from? It sure doesn't come from the Lord. And here's Joseph standing before his brothers with all the power. The tables have turned. The tables have turned. And he is weeping and saying, I'm your brother. I'm the one that you sold into slavery. Verse 3 says, I'm Joseph, one of your brothers. He said, is our father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned that they realized Joseph was standing there in front of them. Verse 4. He said, please come close, he said. Come close to me. And again he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold to slavery in Egypt. And I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, this is the moment I'm like, man, this is like, this is gonna be a movie scene right now. It's gonna be like the equalizer, you know what I mean? It's gonna be like, he's gonna, you know what I mean? Like the guns are gonna come out, you know what I mean? Like everybody's gonna die right in front of him, you know what I mean? He's gonna take out all of his revenge. He's gonna take out all of his hate. He's gonna take out all of his frustration. He's gonna let them know what they had done to him, right? Verse five. But he says this, don't be upset. Don't be angry with yourself for selling me to this place. What? It makes no sense. No sense. He says this, it was God who sent me here to preserve your lives. He still cares about their lives. He still cares about their families and their kids and their well-being. Verse 6. This famine that has ravaged our land for two years will last five more years. There will be nothing to plow or to harvest. Verse 7. He says this. God sent me ahead of you to keep your families alive. You know what I love about Joseph? He stays grateful. He stays grateful. You know what I'm worried about? I'm worried that we're living in a day and an age that we are so, so spoiled in this life and we have forgotten what it's like to be grateful in all circumstances, in all moments, in every moment that comes in your life that you can go, you know what? This day is not fun. This day is not exciting. This day is not what I thought God had planned for me. But still in this day, in this moment, in this hour, I will praise the Lord. I will lift up his name. I will talk about the goodness of God. I will share the goodness of God. I will stand firm in my faith. I will not let the enemy back me down. I will stand confidently knowing that God is for me. He's not against me. That's what God is going. What is your response? What is your response? There's something about just being grateful. There's something about going, God, 
I know that this is not the house I want to live in, but God, I thank you for this house. God, I thank you for these walls. I thank you for the heat we have in our house. I thank you, God, for the food that we get to feed our children. God, I'm thankful, God. I'm thankful, God, that this isn't necessarily a job that I want right now. But God, I thank you that you are good and that you are faithful and you're full of mercy. And I'm going to be faithful in this job. And at the right moment, at the right time, I know, God, that you're going to take me to greater and better. God, I'm thankful, God, to be a mom right now. God, I'm thankful to be a dad right now. God, I'm thankful to be able to walk in great and honor in this situation. God, I'm thankful to be able to be a man of integrity, to be a woman of character. God, I'm thankful. I'm thankful, God. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'm thankful, God. I'm thankful. I'm grateful for what you're doing in my life. Even in this moment, God, you know one of the things that I've been doing lately is so hard. It is so hard when I feel so much pressure and I feel so much stress and I feel so much coming at me. I go, God, I'm thankful, God, that I can deal with the stress. God, I'm thankful for this pressure. God, I'm thankful that you chose me to be in this moment. God, I'm thankful, God. I'm grateful, God, that you chose me for this day, for this hour, for this time, for this moment, for this region, for this place, for where we're going and where we're going to be, God. I'm thankful, God. I'm grateful, God, and I will take the stress. I will take the pressure. I will take whatever this season allows in this moment right now. God, I trust you that you are good and you are faithful and just like Joseph, God, I will get to the other side because my mouth will be full of your praise glorifying who you are. Amen? There's something about being grateful. Start thanking God for your husband. Stop cursing your husband. Start thanking God for your wife. Stop cursing your wife. Stop cursing your boss with your words. Stop cursing your money with your words. Stop cursing your house with your words. Stop cursing your car with your words. Every day I get in my car, I go, God, thank you that this car works. I don't care what year it is. I don't care what mile it is. I don't care what it is. God, I'm just thankful that I own a car. Just grateful, God. Grateful. Just grateful. There's something about being grateful. It attracts the presence of the Lord. It attracts the spirit of the Lord. This is what is upon Joseph. He goes, listen, guys, don't be mad. Don't be mad at yourselves, guys. Listen, I was sent here before you so that I could preserve you. And we can learn so much from Joseph. Don't you say it enough this morning? Thanks for listening to Elevate Church Podcast. We'd love to have you join us for service on Sundays or at a dinner party on Friday nights. Check out our Facebook, Instagram, or website at elevate.city for more information.